we have much for which to be thankful. And the cross, I tell you, the cross and the resurrection, you can't give thanks for that. Uh, don't even call yourself a Christian, <laughs> okay? So we're thankful for that as well. Our text is Psalms chapter 105, the 105th Psalm, and verses 1 through 3, a sermon I'm titled, Show and Tell. We have a Christian school here, and, and so we have show and tell among the younger kids, and so I thought, well, maybe that'd be a good title for a sermon here at Thanksgiving time. Uh, sometimes you bring things in, you know, boys and girls may bring something in. I thought of bringing in a swan instead of a turkey. You know, you can get more stuffing in a swan, okay, but uh, we're not doing that. By the way, tell the PETA folks I was only joking. Um, but you can tell if somebody's overeating at uh, Thanksgiving time is when they have to let the bathrobe out, okay? So uh, they have really overeaten then. But uh, let's go on before I get in any more trouble. So Psalms 105, verses 103, uh, uh, 1 through 3, should I say. If you find that verse, stand up and read 103 on Psalms 105, okay? All right. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Now shall we pray. Father, We do thank you for that holy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the name that's above all names. I thank you that it's a holy name. For if our God was not holy, we could not trust his promises. But because he's holy, every promise in the book is mine. As the song says of the children, sing every chapter, every verse, Every line, it's mine. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for what you have done for us. I thank you for what you're going to do for us. Lord, if there's one in this auditorium today who does not know that if they die today, that heaven's their home, I pray that today would be the very day they come and receive Christ as their Savior. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And it's true, kindergarten especially, you'll have a time of show and tell. And it gives the children an opportunity to share things as well as learning to speak in front of their peers. And so it's a time that that child is the center of attention. So they want to have something that's really good for their class. It will impress them. In OCA, years ago, we had a little girl that she knew it was sharing uh, uh, that, that day, you know, what, what, what we call show and tell, share and tell, show and tell. And maybe we ought to call it share and tell, so I'll get it right every once in a while. But show and tell. And, and she was coming, but what she did is that she snuck into her grandfather's house, went into his bathroom closet, and snuck out his spare set of teeth. <laughs> now, she had something for show and tell. Not, not everyone at OCA that day saw them, but everyone heard about it. Well, when I think about that, not everyone in Ocala will 
come inside of Central Baptist Church. Not everyone in Ocala will hear this preacher. But it's just like everyone at OCA that heard about the teeth and did not see it. You see, they did not hear. They did not see, but they did hear. We have a message today. People may not hear or uh, see us. They may not come in our doors, but we can take it out to them to hear that message. The saving gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So many times he says, whosoever, and that is still true today. There is not one person under the sound of my voice today that is outside the saving power, the changing power of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He can save, he can cleanse, and he will, but he will not force it. You must come to him in repentance and faith. And you know, when I think about that illustration, shouldn't we as Christians be more quick to tell about that than, you know, everybody that heard a dossier about those teeth, they were, they were quick to tell others about it. I mean, that, that spread just like that. They, they, I mean, they were ready, and it was funny. But um, shouldn't we be more ready to share the gospel of Christ with the lost and dying world? To show what Jesus Christ did for us. And that was a true story. Which makes me say, I want to go home and hide my spare teeth, set of teeth, so my grandchildren don't find them. But um, the first step I want to make in giving thanks to the Lord is calling upon his name. Blessed be the name. I, I like that because this morning, uh, that was our first song, and, and we had not got together on that. And, and that's what the Lord laid on his heart to use, and that's what we sang today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter 5, verse 18. As a matter of fact, it's what the Bible, as it was written in Greek, calls an imperative command. It's a present imperative. What a present imperative command is this. Do this, and you keep on doing this till you go to heaven. Never stop. And in that it's an imperative command, it means we're going to be called into an account. So in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you're saved, give thanks. That's one thing that you can know. This is God's will for my life. There's no doubt about it because he says it very plainly. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, when we look in our text in verse 1, it instructs us to call upon his name. But not only that, when you get to verse 3, he says to glory in it. Don't be ashamed of his name and rather be happy to be associated with his name. Even if the world makes fun of it, never be ashamed of the one who hung on a cross and took our place in dying for our sins. Glory in his name. Let your light shine on the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to me that when you read in the Bible, there was the birth of Enos. Enos was born to Adam's son, Seth. 
Seth was the promised seed to whom the Messiah would one day come. But what I want you to see about this is the fact that when Enos was born, that meant that God was going to keep his promise. In that he had a boy named Enos, he was born, and that one would be the line through whom the, the, the Son of God would come one day that would save our souls. The phrase is used there, when Enos is born, and then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. I find that interesting. Uh, what did they do before then? And why is that phrase in there? But as I've studied that, I found out that began to call upon the name of the Lord actually has the idea of, of worship. And it's believed that this was an instance of regular worship of God. They knew, I mean... Adam's born, I mean, Adam's created, and then, then Cain and Abel, and, and of course, Cain kills Abel. Cain cannot be the line through which the Messiah would come. A son would have to be born. A son is born, but that son has to have a son. And that son comes. And so when you think about it from that vantage point, everybody knew to that point that the Lord had promised a seed that would come through whom the Messiah would come. And when they saw the promise, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. They began regular worship of God. I think that's a special and beautiful teaching that is there in the Word of God because it's believed that that is where it started uh, with the, just the regular thing of it. Although we'd see Cain and Abel were supposed to offer an offering, it seems like it wasn't on a regular type of a basis in which they were doing it. And now they're doing this and they're giving thanks to God. The name Enos meant mortal. Mortal. It's through his line that Messiah will come. And so what does that mean for us? The immortal spirit of God, because God is the spirit. The creator of the heaven and the earth is the spirit. And it was through the mortal line of Enos that the immortal Christ would become a man. The immortal spirit of God becomes a mortal man so that mortal men might become immortal through him. For this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality. Immortality in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. Immortality. We are looking forward to that because Jesus came and took on mortality. What a Savior. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're saved today and you know that if you die today that heaven is your home, it's simply because a Savior came. He tells us to make known in verse 1. His deeds among the people. And his most important deed was to pay the penalty for our sin and to resurrect from the dead. Sin separated us from God. As I have said many times, sin doesn't mean cease, uh, death doesn't mean ceasing to exist, but rather death means separation. At death, your spirit 
We were created in God's image, a spirit. We all have a spirit. And that spirit leaves this body. It either goes to heaven or it goes to hell. But that spirit leaves this body. And so when we think of that, let's understand that as he came, the Savior would come and that spirit would have a body formed about him. We read in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word, remember John 1, 1, and the, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, with God, and the word was God. Well, verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know, the word flesh there, made flesh, has the idea of a tent or a tabernacle. He dwelt among us, he tabernacled among us. In other words, God veiled his spirit in flesh. Why would he do that? Because we could not look on him and live. So he had to do that, but he was God coming to flesh. Emmanuel, Matthew 1.23 says, God with us. And that's what he came to do. He came to die for our sins. Sin had separated us from God. His great holiness demanded a payment with no slack on the punishment. And that was eternal separation from God forever in the lake of fire and torment. No ceasing to exist. But the good news is Jesus paid it all. We lack knowledge of our sin and its import on the holiness of God. Because if we fully recognize what our sin is in the sight of a holy God, we'd realize more than anyone, hell is truly just. It is just. That day when Jesus rose from the dead bodily, it proved that any mortal, uh, any mortal man in Christ would be resurrected by the immortal Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who became a man to pay the penalty and in order to assure us a resurrection of body. In other words, this mortal changed to immortality. He secured for us what we could not secure for ourselves. He showed Satan, the world, and all history that he indeed is God come in the flesh. But he also showed God so loved the world that he designed a plan for us to be saved because we simply could not save ourselves. That is why we give thanks. In Romans 8, 28, 29, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. When you read the book of uh, Romans in chapter 8 particularly, you see about the sufferings and the things that men go through. And so saying all that, then he says, it's working together for good. Why? Because he's trying to conform us to the image of his son. That's why 
We can say thank you to the Lord in everything because he's doing these things, allowing these things into our lives that it may conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, my tendency, and probably most of us, is to, oh, Lord, take this thing from me. Lord, solve this problem. Lord, it's, it's, it's on my mind. It, it affects my heart day and night. And, and, Lord, remove it. And we're wanting the Lord to lift the burden. He says, no, I want to give you stronger shoulders to carry it. And when he does and we allow it, then we'll, guess what? The word Christian means Christ-like. We become more Christ-like and we're being conformed to the image of his son. What a blessing that is. And he does that for us. So there's a sure hope for all who receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, John chapter 1 verse 12 says. That is why in everything you can give thanks. Because it works out for our good. Jesus in chapter 5 of Matthew, verses 10 through 12. He says, blessed are you when men shall uh, persecute you and shall say all matter of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You think, they're lying about me, saying all these things, they're persecuting, and I'm blessed? Oh, yes. Because that's where faith comes in. He says, because great is your reward in heaven. Sometimes I feel like I need to sit down, uh, send a thank you note to people that do that, you know. Why? Because it just builds the reward in heaven because you take the stand on the name of Jesus Christ. We can give thanks because of Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come and let him that hears say come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him come and take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will. How many times does the Bible have to say whosoever? <laughs> okay. God doesn't lie, so it only has to say it once. But he says it over and over. Whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, it's for whosoever. That means everyone is without excuse. Yes, we have much for which to be thankful. But our thanks should be expressed both privately and publicly. We give thanks by calling upon his name. And then secondly... By making his deeds known among the people, we were told there in verse 1 of our text. The Bible is full of examples of letting others know of the deeds of the Lord in their lives. Some would consider this a negative example. I don't think it is. David, after his sin with Bathsheba, and of course, to do that, he also ended up committing murder. How many of us would like to tell of our worst and most wicked sins of life? Don't we really try to hide them? 
And especially if we've sinned against someone, we don't want to tell them about it if they don't know it. We want to hide it from them. Problem is, you don't know that God knows everything. But David was not bragging about his sin. Instead, he is glorifying God. He wasn't saying, oh, I was a sinner and spend 30 minutes talking about what a sinner he is and then say, but God saved me and let's go home. No, he's talking about the great grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So listen to his testimony's result in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth right, uh, to whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. David was under the law, but he knew that he was saved by the grace of God. Here's a man that was an adulterer. He was a murderer as well as a deceiver. Yet God forgave that reprobate upon his repentance and his faith. And what God has cleansed, call it not common or unclean. I don't know what sin everybody's been in. You don't know what all sin I've been in. We don't know, what, we don't know each other's hearts. And God even looks upon the heart. But I can tell you this. No matter how low somebody may have gone, they're not beyond the saving power of God. Why? He says in Romans 5.20, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And my friend, he will save if you come to him. That's the kind of God that we have. He's a great God. Yes, David's sin was punished to the fullest degree. It really was. Now, he had a consequence. The sword would not depart from his house. But that wasn't the fullness of the penalty paid. The penalty for your sin and my sin was fully paid at Calvary. Paul, the apostle, before his salvation, had a high position. He had men and women beaten, carried off violently to prison. He was in a position that he could give consent to those who wanted to stone Stephen for preaching the gospel, and he did, and Stephen became a martyr for the gospel of Christ. He hated the preaching of the cross and the resurrection. His testimony is seen in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. One reason we know that the Holy Ghost is the author of this because I don't think Paul or David would have wrote everything. They simply wrote down the words the Holy Ghost gave them. And Paul, as he's writing down this great truth, worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus came to the world to save sinners, and then a semicolon. And the Spirit of God says, <clears throat> write down for yourself of whom I am chief. Wow. But he's not down about it. He knows he's been saved by grace. He's cleansed. He's no longer common or unclean. The story is told of a little girl 
whose mother's face was very scarred from burns. She was not pretty. And the little girl, when she started going to school, she was so ashamed of her mother's face that she really didn't want the other boys and girls to see her. But one day at home, as she sat on the sofa by her mother, the little girl asked her mother, said, Mama, how did you get those scars on your face? And she told her the story. Our house caught on fire. We ran outside and we got out there. I realized no one had picked you up. She said, I ran back in and took off the clothes around me into that burning house and grabbed you and wrapped you in my clothes and took you outside so you would not be burnt or die. In the process, my face was burnt. Well, that little girl just could not hug and kiss that face enough. It was now the sign of the greatest beauty and love that she had ever seen. And I believe that that's what we're going to look at when we see those nail-scarred heaven, uh, hands in heaven. The old rugged cross is not beautiful physically to behold. It was much worse than that mother's face. But it was what was required of my soul. I believe, I honestly believe, if I had been the only person in all of history to have sinned, he would have done that for me. Because he loves us individually, personally. And if you had been the only person, he would have done the same. That's the love that he has for us. He paid the penalty that was required of my soul. Jesus Christ in his love paid it all for me. That old rugged cross, oh, we love it. And there's still a fountain filled with blood that's drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood. They still lose all their guilty stains in the blood of Jesus Christ. He saved us from a worse fate then that little girl's mother saved her from the fate of the fire that day. That love becomes an admonition to all of us. Take the name of Jesus with you. Take it wherever you go. It will joy and comfort give you. Oh, my friend, just praise that precious name and glow. Shine your light. Oh, what a name that is. It's a precious name. Oh, how sweet. It's the hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Oh, how sweet, how sweet. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and so free, but it cost him everything. You know, those are words of songs that we sing. What a shame if we sing them coldly and they no longer stir our heart's emotions. That they're only relegated to a fact that we believe, but that's all. In short, 
Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Make his deeds known unto the people. That's how you show things. That's show and tell. In Psalms chapter 22, verse 25, My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. In Psalms 135, verse 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among the people. In Psalms 108, uh, uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, Psalms 40, verses 8 through 10, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. To have it in your heart, you've got to read it, think on it, and meditate in it. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth. From the great congregation. Psalms chapter 111 and verses 1 and 2. Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright. And in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great. Sought out of all them. That have pleasure therein. My friend as you read the word of God. And the Lord gives you something as you read it. And you see something. Share it with others. Share it with brethren in Christ. When you have a prayer answered, let others know. Look, we have a 30-second testimony meeting, which will be next Sunday night. The last Sunday of the month, or usually the fourth Sunday of the month, should I say. A 30-second testimony meeting. Sometimes there's a lot that will stand up and give it. Th- sometimes it's like pulling hen's teeth. You see, it's, it's just not there. And we have so much for which to be thankful. So much. Don't worry about what people will think. Be more concerned about what God thinks. Stand up. Share at least 30 seconds of what God has done for you. Someone gets saved. Tell us about it. You go to Sunday school class. We've got great Sunday school teachers here. Take notes in those class. Perhaps there's something that you get from that class that you can take and share with other folks. The great tabernacle in in London, England, when Spurgeon was the pastor, grew. You know what? People would hear the preaching. They'd take down notes. They'd write things, and they'd go out to work the next day and share it with the people they worked with. Souls were getting saved. It is time for God's people to get back to show and tell. I mean, we have show and tell in kindergarten. Uh, Let's not allow them to be more spiritually mature than we are. We show and tell by calling on his name. We show and tell by making his deeds known among the people. And we show and tell by singing unto him in holy love and reverence. The word in you is first. Oh, it must be in you. In Colossians chapter 1, in verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and 
for him. He's the creator. It did not evolve. He didn't start it and then it evolved. No, he created it all in six literal days. And he spoke it, Psalms 33, into existence. What a great God. We're to sing according to the book of Ephesians with songs, that is spiritual songs, hymns, and songs. In our heart towards God, Ephesians 1.19. And God has a way of doing that. He not only tells us to do it, he has a way of doing it. In Psalms chapter 68, verse 25, uh, again, Brother Kevin did a great job with this uh, last year. The singers went before, the players on instruments followed after. Among them were the damsels playing with their timbrels. What's that mean to us? Well, when you look at it, the singers going before. That is the melody. The people on their instruments, that's the harmony. The damsels with their tabrets, that's the beat. All music has beat. Uh, you know, they say, man, I like that beat music. Okay. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That has beat. That has beat. Well, that's not what I mean. No, what you mean is that you want the music to be beat-driven instead of with a melody starting and then the harmony in with it and then the beat that supports it. And you see, what happens as a result of that is that you feel great, man. You want to jump up and down and do things, but it has done nothing for your heart. You are a spirit with a body, not a body with a spirit. You're going to cast off this body one day, but that spirit's going to live forever. Why not do God's will, God's way, and don't let Satan, who was in charge of heaven's music at one time, mess it up for you? Don't let him corrupt it. Keep the worship of God in spirit and in truth. Keep the worship of God holy. Finally, for all his wondrous works, for they are holy. And again, verses 2 and 3 says, Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them that rejoice, that seek the Lord. Oh, the glorious work of salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, you might say we have the negative. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. That's sexual sin of any kind. Anything outside of marriage is sin. And that is a man-to-a-woman marriage, not man-to-man or woman-to-woman. That's fornication. That's what it is. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, those that cheat in marriage, nor effeminate, that's the homosexual, nor the abusers of themselves with mankind. That is the worst kind of harsh sexual sin that you can imagine. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, that's the social drinking partying crowd, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. A lot of people say, boy, that leaves me out. Oh, no, look at the next verse. And such were some of you. Were. Were. That's a great thing. And such were some of you. He says, but you are washed, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. 
and you are sanctified. How? By the Spirit of God setting you apart that you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God you're justified. You're in Jesus. And in Jesus Christ. When I stand before him, I have believed unto righteousness, but not unto my righteousness, unto his righteousness. And that's what makes me accepted before God the Father. But you know what? There's what we call the other side of that. We find that in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. A man by the name of Cornelius was, the Bible says there, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He said, man, that's a good godly man. Boy, that's a good Christian. No, Peter was sent to him that he might get saved. See, he's very religious, but he wasn't saved. So, he was an up-and-outer. 1 Corinthians was a down-and-outer. But every man born into this world needs a Savior because he can't save himself because every man is born a sinner headed to hell. But Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. In Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory. The glory of God is Jesus Christ. All of sin comes short of Jesus Christ. In Titus 3, in verse 5, it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us by the washing of water by the Word of God. It's the Word of God that tells us how to be saved. Not our works. Not our philosophies. It's only in Christ alone. 2 Peter 3, 9 it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come. The good news today is such words some of you can be used. The good news today, if you're already saved, you can be that voice that talks of all his wondrous doings among us. Why not do it? What a way to be thankful. Saying thankful is one thing, but being thankful is another. And so 1 John three eighteen, I close with this. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's one thing to say I love God. It's another thing to receive him as your Lord and Savior.